Welcome to Prajna Spark's special series, 59 Days of Healing, where we explore one maxim from the Tibetan Lojong text, Seven Points for Healing Dualistic Mind, each day to integrate the practice into our lives. Today is day 15, and we're in point three, turn challenges into opportunity. Maxim 15 reads, the best approach incorporates four observances. This term observances is a more general term for the kinds of formal spiritual practice that the maxim recommends. If we're working in a very Buddhist particular framework, we could see these rituals and other practices with a lot of specificity, particular instructions, particular practices. That's not to say that it doesn't apply to everyone, Buddhist or not, spiritual or not. These four observances are very generally helpful, no matter what our spiritual orientation. What are they? First is engendering positivity. Next is acknowledging wrongdoing. Third is feeding the demons. And fourth is making offerings to protectors. Looking at each in turn, engendering positivity really means what Buddhism calls merit, basically momentum that fuels our spiritual progress. Pretty much anything that helps us gather these stores of positivity, a wellspring of goodness, is what's meant by engendering positivity. For example, we might give money to important groups that take care of the needy, the hungry, the environment. We might engage in various activities to address social injustice. Any number of things that improves the world for us, others, and the environment at large is part of this positivity. Also, anything that expands our mindset, gathering what in Buddhism is called wisdom, open, spacious way of interacting with reality, that isn't tied to ideas of self and other, right and wrong, good and bad, friend and foe, etc. This sense of a very expansive wisdom is what allows us to engage in the everyday acts of positivity in a very big-hearted way without doing what we do to get something out of it, which kind of spoils the whole thing, wouldn't you think? Next comes acknowledging wrongdoing. This happens to be one of my favorites because I make mistakes all the time. And here, mistakes means not living up to what I aspire for myself. This happens. We're human and these things will come about. And then in the next moment, we surprise ourselves with how compassionate, loving, and caring we might be. But what this element is allowing us to do is to be okay with acknowledging, hey, that might not have been the best thing for me. There might have been a better way for me to behave and be in alignment with my highest aspirations. There are a lot of formal practices that are involved in acknowledging wrongdoing in Buddhism. They're all practices that work interiorly. There isn't a practice of confessing or holding yourself up to shaming in public or anything like that. Basically, the point of acknowledging wrongdoing is to connect with regret that we might feel, the remorse that 
we didn't live up to our aspirations. Relying on any formal practice it might be. There are many different meditation practices in Buddhism, but it might just be looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I want to do better next time. Anything that might be a support for you. Then there's resolve. The commitment to do our best not to fall back into ways that disserve us. These will remedy the wrongdoing in that they allow us to turn our loving kindness, caring, and tenderness towards ourselves without having to pile denial, guilt, or self-hatred on top of Next comes feeding the demons, and that sounds really scary. These are ritualistic practices in their original form in Tibetan Buddhist practice. One way we can think about it in a more general way is basically to consider all of the things that might be hindering our healing, our transformation, and our transcendence of dualistic mind with a compassionate flavor whether it be someone who we feel is being harmful to us or difficulties in our past, habits that are hard for us to break even when we want to, we can think of those as not so much demons in the sense of harming us, but through not understanding their nature properly. Feeding them with compassion, turning towards them with love can actually deflate that demonic quality, that hindrance that we might be perceiving. Similarly, the fourth point, making offerings to protectors, refers to offering gratitude, either in physical or inner ways, to all of the forces that empower us to heal, transform, and transcend. These might be people that are our friends and our helpers, might be people who challenge us and help us to rise up above difficulty. It might be unseen things or even a simple flower that lightens our mind. The point of all of these is that we can bring to our life a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, and a sense of intentionality in many different ways, foregrounding our intention to heal, transform, and transcend dualistic mind in everything we do. I appreciate how succinctly you summarized this because it seemed like it was going to be a lot to go over. One of the things that stands out to me, you you talked about this in terms of acknowledging wrongdoing, that it's not about going to people and confessing your sins or asking for forgiveness or anything like that, that it's really an internal process. Is, is that really the case with all of these? I know you talked about with engendering positivity that you might donate to causes and sort of have external manifestations. Is the most important aspect of all of these an internal one? Or are there things that should be done externally also with any of these? The most important thing is the internal framework. For example, let's say I give a million dollars to a cause that everybody would agree is the best possible cause there is. But I do it so that people will praise me or I'll become famous for my generosity. There goes this beautiful act right into the rubbish bin because of my inner framework, my intention. Much smaller act, piece of dried bread crumb that I give to a little bird outside in my yard with the intention, may I make a connection with this being and may this act of generosity fuel the momentum of my own spiritual path, that of this little bird and all beings till we all reach Buddhahood. Teeny tiny act, nothing like the million dollars. 
much greater positivity, much greater warmth that we feel ourselves in doing so. It's less about the external act than the intention with which we engage it. Of course, if we gave the million dollars to this perfect organization and this perfect cause with that perfect motivation, that's the best of all. It's really helpful to have that idea of the very small things we can do also, because it's not about not taking action until we've gained some level of perfection, but really being able to have those motivations that we bring to it, even the smallest action, and knowing that we will take actions in the world, really working internally to have that aligned with our highest aspirations then. There is a lot of perfect back there. And what is perfect in that situation is where we are developmentally. That's perfect. Where we are in our path, there are actually even many offerings that we make entirely through imagination. I don't have a million dollars as much as I would like to give it to a great organization, but I can imagine all kinds of wonderful generosity. This is something that the Vajrayana Tibetan Buddhist tantric approach makes a great deal of use of. Because from the perspective of mind, mind doesn't notice a huge difference between an actual physical act and a very elaborate imaginative one. The reason the physical act is very powerful is, of course, it does benefit other people. And we can actually connect with it a lot more because it seems so real. These practices using the imagination basically amp up the mind's inherent creativity so that we are experiencing it not just as a glib imagination, but really putting ourselves in that situation. When we do that, we're still shaping the intentionality of mind almost as much as if we were actually giving it. Oh, that's a fantastic way of thinking about it. Um, so helpful to recognize how powerful it can be to do that internal work. I, I was also really glad that you clarified what feeding the demons means, because I think that, you know, sometimes that term feeding is really thought about as where we're putting our attention, that if we put attention toward negativity and anger and things, then that will grow because we're feeding it. But this isn't about putting your attention on negativity. It's really about compassion toward things that might hinder us in some way. And so I think that that's a really important distinction. So thanks for clarifying that. It literally is feeding in the ritual practice of Tibetan Buddhism. You make a little thing called a torma, which is basically a dough cake, or you use a cookie or something like that, and you symbolically feed it to obstacle makers. That's the particular practice that's referenced in the text here. A kind of compassionate Buddhist twist on let them eat cake. Giving nourishment, giving compassion, loving kindness, all the things that you would never think to give to a demon. And that's the whole point. There aren't any demons out there. Not people, not events, not circumstances. Just the misperception we carry around. By feeding what we think of as demons with love, compassion, caring, misperception starts to shift. We start to perceive these things in a much softer light. And it really helps us to put our attention toward positive feelings rather than negative ones. It makes everything a positive feeling. 
as one of the things. And there's some very elaborate practices in Tibetan Buddhism about this. There's a wonderful Western woman, Lama Sultra Malioni, who's near me here in the southwest of the U.S., and Tara Mandala in Colorado, who's adapted those practices for a more Western psychological framework. And they can be extremely powerful, not just with difficult habits or people, but even trauma and more stubborn concerns. This has been Yeshe and Tanya on day 15 of Prajna Spark special series, 59 Days of Healing. Tune in daily for more maxims from the Tibetan Lojong text, Seven Points for Healing Dualistic Mind. Check the episode notes for more resources and email us sparks at prajnafire.com with any questions. May all beings benefit. Thank you.